So I'm going to start a little bit differently this episode by reading a couple of first paragraphs from a couple of favorite novels of mine. So if you bear with me, I will explain after these why we're starting this way. So here's the first book with the first paragraph. I first met Dean not long after my wife and I split up. I had just gotten over a serious illness that I won't bother to talk about, except that it had something to do with the miserably weary split up and my feeling that everything was dead. With the coming of Dean Moriarty began that part of my life you could call my life on the road. Before that, I'd often dreamed of going west to see the country, always vaguely planning and never taking off. Dean is the perfect guy for the road because he actually was born on the road when his parents were passing through Salt Lake City in 1926 in a jalopy on their way to Los Angeles. First reports of him came to me through Chad King, who'd shown me a few letters from him written in a New Mexico reform school. I was tremendously interested in the letters because they so naively and sweetly asked Chad to teach him all about Nietzsche and all the wonderful intellectual things that Chad knew. At one point, Carlo and I talked about the letters and wondered if we would ever meet the strange Dean Moriarty. This is all far back when Dean was not the way he is today, when he was a young jail kid shrouded in mystery. Then news came that Dean was out of reform school and was coming to New York for the first time. Also, there was talk that he had just married a girl called Mary Lou. And now, here is another opening paragraph from another book that I really enjoy. I'm pretty much fucked. So, (laughs) two very different opening paragraphs within two very different stories. The first of which, um, I didn't say the titles initially because I wanted to give you a chance to guess if you uh, have read these books before, if you recognize them. But the first is from Jack Kerouac's very classic novel, On the Road. One of my favorite books, for those of you who aren't familiar, I would definitely take a look. It's a very different type of book. I'm not going to get into analyzing it right now, but um, you'll realize why very quickly if you pick it up somewhere and uh, give it a, a, a gander. And people kind of either love or hate that book for reasons that I think are evident by something like that first paragraph. They're quite long paragraphs. He's known in many of his books to go entire pages or chapters that are just one long paragraph, which again goes against everything you've probably been taught in your schooling career, right? Now, the second example I gave was from a very different book, but another book that I really enjoy, and that is The Martian by Andy Weir which is much more recent. On the Road was written, I think, uh, or published around 1950, whereas The Martian came out about 10 years ago. Again, much different story, but they're both technically fictional books. Uh, On the Road is what we would call semi-autobiographical, but but you see both very different opening paragraphs, right? And I think this is interesting because one of the main questions I get asked by my students is seemingly one of the more rudimentary ones, which is, how do you write a paragraph or how do you decide what makes a good paragraph? And I feel like that's a difficult question to answer because as you see from a couple of those examples, there are guidelines maybe that you can follow and particular guidelines based on the specific type of writing that you're doing. But in general, you see all sorts of different ways to structure and have detail within paragraphs based upon 
what type of tone and mood you're really trying to get into in your writing. So I think this is really important to note that one of the, the great things about writing is also one of the more challenging things about writing, right? Where it's like, yeah, there are certain rules that you're supposed to follow, but if you get really good at those rules, you can also just kind of bend them or break them. Because in the second example, the Andy Weir example, that's hardly a paragraph, right? One line, a few words, but it's very impactful and it does create a certain tone or mood to the situation of the writing that is what the author is going for there. And of course, that's in part why this was such a successful book, became such a successful movie. You know, if you follow all the rules that you were taught in grade school, right? Oh, a paragraph must have five sentences, a topic sentence, three supporting sentences, and a concluding sentence, or it's not a paragraph. Well, Andy Weir didn't do that, and his book was on the New York Times bestseller list and became a major Motion Academy award-winning picture, right? So these rules, obviously, uh, they're only guidelines, right? And I think that's really important to note in writing in general. Now, again, in the academic sense, there are conventions that you are more taught to follow, and for very good reasons. Again, uh, this is the same thing I talk about when I teach students in my professional writing classes about um, resume writing and cover letter writing. Yeah, there are certain stylistic and, and formatting elements and even elements of paragraphing that you kind of need to include in order to include the information that is expected for those uh, genres. So this is where it gets very difficult, but it gets very important to note what those conventions are and where and when you have room to expand or elaborate or do things a little bit differently than the norm. So that's all a long-winded way of introducing this topic. So if you're a first-time listener, welcome here to Professor Lab's podcast where we talk about these types of issues. I teach uh, writing, all sorts of writing, creative writing, freshman composition, uh, technical writing as well. Um, different types of technical writing. So I get to see all of these different styles and, and how they play out in very sometimes similar ways, but very different ways, depending upon the genre of the writing and the specific focus of what's trying to be accomplished within that writing. All right. And so, I, I, you know, really, there's not a whole lot actually to talk about on this without maybe entirely boring you because of what I said, there's so much flexibility and so much um, difference in terms of how and why you might structure paragraphs in certain ways. But I think it's a, it's a good point to go over, like, what are sort of some of those conventions as well as, you know, just in general, what are areas where you, you have that flexibility. So I always like when I'm talking about paragraphs in any of my classes to go back to the fact that I think one of the ways that we are all taught how to paragraph in either elementary school or middle school or high school is okay in a foundational sense, right? And what I mean by that is most students who come into my classes, uh, say my freshman students, freshman writing students, they often come in thinking that a paragraph has to be um, five sentences long. Like I said earlier, it has to have a topic sentence, three supporting sentences, and, and a fifth concluding sentence. Now, that's a good practice in theory because it makes sense, right? If your topic sentence is going to make a claim or an assertion as to what that paragraph is going to prove, well, you're probably going to need more than one sentence within that paragraph after that topic sentence to prove that point, right? Just stating one follow-up sentence might not be enough. So if you're going to also include evidence, well, you might have to introduce that evidence, you might have to state that evidence, and then you might have to analyze that evidence. And that sounds an awful lot like those three sentences within that paragraph 
uh, bookended or surrounded by the bookends of the topic sentence and the concluding sentence, right? You know, if life were that simple, it would be great, right? Unfortunately, uh, there's many examples where maybe the statement or the claim that you're making in that topic sentence is more comprehensive. It requires two sources of information to prove uh, or illustrate as opposed to just one. And they are close enough in their point or in, in, the, in the clarification of one point to the other that you don't need to go on to making that an entirely new paragraph. Again, this is hard to really distinguish for a lot of writers. Like, well, how do I know what's similar enough or different enough in order to warrant a new paragraph. I think that's something that you do have to take on a case-by-case basis. But even just thinking about that as a form of practice, uh, again, I say this in, in many cases of different types of writing, just being aware of that's something that you want to be thinking about, you're already doing a much stronger job than you were before. And again, that sounds a little sort of abstract, but the more you do it, the more you get a sense of like, okay, this makes sense or this doesn't make sense. And that's why I say as well, one of the best things that you can do is either, you know, accept that feedback that maybe an instructor gives you, or if you are peer reviewing, looking at somebody else's work, point out where a paragraph is clear or unclear and explain why for the writer. That can go a long way to helping them identify, oh, okay, this is going to be too much information in one paragraph for a reader to really appreciate each point. Maybe I should make those each individual paragraphs instead. You know, it's interesting too, because this idea of paragraphing, it, it, it's, it's so funny how writing, you can kind of scale it up and down. And what I mean by that is that a lot of the same students who come into my classes and they say, oh, a, a paragraph should be five sentences long. They're the same students who have been told that a paper should be, or an essay should be five paragraphs long, right? Where they say, well, I was taught there should be an introductory paragraph, a body paragraph, and a concluding paragraph. And I've gotten that in freshman writing uh, class papers where students, they have a page, I tell them, all right, your paper needs to be uh, four pages long. So they'll have a introductory paragraph that they make the whole first page. They'll have two pages of uh, just one body paragraph, one long body paragraph. And they say, yeah, that's the evidence. That's the middle. It's, it's all belongs in the middle, right? And then they'll have a last page being a concluding paragraph. Now, the problem with that, again, is that you're contriving the information to a form, a, a form that you've been told beforehand that it must fit into. You know, is this a good way to practice writing and, and argument and analysis? I mean, it's a challenge, um, but again, I don't know if it's necessarily the best way to do it, right? Um, the one good thing about that is that you have then those specific lengths, target lengths that you just have to meet. But the problem with that is that you wind up kind of BSing your way into fulfilling those, those, you know, guidelines, right? Which is always not what I think you want to be doing in your writing, right? Um, because then you're not really thinking about why you're doing it. You're just thinking about getting to that point and getting it done with, right? So I think those are some just preconceived notions that kind of need to be altered. Again, there are some good foundational ideas within those forms, but they just don't play out practically, especially as you get into different types of writing moving forward, you know, different types of um, genres and, and types of papers that you're writing.
So it doesn't necessarily work, and it certainly doesn't work moving forward into longer types of writing. The other version of that that's a little more common is a lot of times students will say, oh, yeah, an essay should just be five paragraphs, right? And that's a little better because it's like, okay, an introductory paragraph, three body paragraphs, and then a concluding paragraph. I see that a lot in analysis papers where students, or even argument papers where students might have, okay, an intro paragraph, the first body paragraph then, or the second paragraph of the essay is a uh, background information paragraph or a summary paragraph of the topic. And then like a third paragraph is is argu argument for an issue or topic. A third body paragraph is argument against or counter arguments. And then the fifth paragraph is the final concluding paragraph. Again, there's you can see there's like a form and a progression there that makes sense sort of, right? Clarify what the topic and information is. Point out the arguments for, point out the arguments against, conclude. And that might work in a much shorter piece, but when you have longer topics and longer subjects with a lot more information involved, well, if you have all that great information crammed into one paragraph, you either have to have a super long paragraph that's two pages long that somebody's going to get halfway through and say, I'm exhausted. I have no place to pause. I have no place to stop and appreciate what you've said so far. I'm no longer interested in this if I was interested at all to begin with, right? Or you have a situation where you say, wow, that's too long. I got to condense it. And you make that longer paragraph down to half a page, but you're cutting out all this other information and just kind of superficially summarizing a lot of very large points that deserve a lot more time. So I think if you just keep that idea in mind, you're already really helping yourself out in terms of identifying for yourself, okay, like where do I want to expand? And then where do I maybe want to break up those sections from one paragraph to the other? And again, coming back to the individual paragraphs themselves, yes, you can still follow this format, right? Thinking, okay, well, I need a topic sentence. Well, what is a topic sentence? There's a lot of different theories and descriptions as to what goes into a topic sentence. So I'll just give you mine. And again, I would say talk to other instructors, other students, uh, you know, online, whoever, like get other opinions on what people think is the best sort of philosophy to approach these elements of, of writing and in this case, paragraphing. But for my purpose, I like to think about topic sentences. And again, when we say topic sentences, we essentially mean the first sentence in a paragraph. So I think about them as sort of like a mini thesis so it's sort of prompting your reader for what to expect you to show within that paragraph. Again, this is going to be very different in a piece of fiction as opposed to an academic piece of writing, which is usually a little more explicit or clear in its intention, as opposed to like you see in the examples I opened with, right? Where maybe your topic sentence is also only one sentence and it's to make a very strong claim uh, or impactful statement, right? Um, in Academic writing, for example, though, it, it, it is a little more, I think, explicit or literal, like I said. So I say to think about that topic sentence is almost like a mini thesis. And again, if the thesis is of, of your paper or of your writing is sort of what I call the soul or the purpose of what you're trying to show or prove to your reader, whether it's an argument or a type of analysis, whatever it is, it's that point or purpose, which is usually a statement towards the end of your introduction where you kind of claim like, yeah, this is what we're going to be talking about and either trying to prove or trying to learn something about or trying to show, right? And that changes as you write your paper and learn more information, which is why I also tell students it's very difficult, if not impossible, to have a thesis at the beginning of your paper that you don't develop as you continue writing, unless you have an insane, insanely detailed outline 
that has done all that work already, you're probably going to learn more as you continue to expand upon and elaborate and confirm those points that you're finding evidence on, right? So I say think about those topic sentences as almost like a mini thesis, like what is the soul of each individual paragraph in terms of what you're going to try to prove? And you also have to consider there as well, because one of the things that sometimes students do where they uh, not stop, but they kind of end it there in terms of how a paragraph is supposed to be structured is they say, yeah, I stated what the paragraph is going to show. But what you also want to do is show a progression of your argument and why it exists the way that it does. And so what I mean by that is talking about transitions too. So if you think about the fact that the topic sentence identifies, okay, this is what the paragraph is going to try to talk about and or prove. Uh, and it, it, depending on the situation, it can do more of one or the other um, because that's based on what came before in the previous paragraph. And this is where we get into talking about transitions where you do want to have at least an implicit link between those paragraphs. And what I mean by that is that one of the weaker ways I see topic sentences done is where they start by saying also this blah, 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 blah. Or in addition, the author says this, right? The reason why I feel like those are really weak transitions is oftentimes because they don't then state clearly why we are looking at this next point. And to a reader, if it's not clear to them why we are transitioning to this point of argument or evidence or analysis, I'm not interested, right? It very well may look to a reader like, oh, you might have a good point, but you had no idea how important it is or why it's important to talk about here. Well, if you're not clear on that, why should I care as a reader? And that's why I always tell students as well, when in doubt, ask of yourself and your writing. Why would my reader care about this? Why should they care about this? Why do I care about it? Why do I think it's important? Well, think about structuring that as part of your transition between paragraphs. And you'll see there, again, sometimes it's stated a little bit more clearly than others, but oftentimes there is a transition where you might say something along the lines of identifying what that point was in the previous paragraph and how this point is going to add to it or contrast with it, or maybe you know, lead into a totally different supporting argument or a counter argument. It can be any of those elements. But again, it should be clear whether you directly state it or it's sort of implied uh, a little bit more casually or a little bit less specifically. That idea should be clear for your reader why we are going to this point now. And again, you can do that in very brief phrasing, but I think you want to consider it. And it comes back to that idea of just asking of your reader, like, why should they even care about this? Like, wh why do they need to know this? Um, and that helps keeps, keep the reader's attention throughout that paragraph and throughout the rest of your work, I think. It really does make a huge difference. And, you know, this is going to be very different from par one paragraph to the other, but I think it's sort of the best way to approach how to really structure those transitions. And similarly with concluding sentences, there's all sorts of theory on concluding sentences. I think I'll include some links in the description of this episode that I think really help uh, outlining those points and explaining them a little bit further. But um, that that's sort of the challenge is that there's lots of situations where you might include different approaches to summarizing what that paragraph has done, uh, depending upon the arguments or, or the 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 evidence that you give and how much analysis you give compared to other parts of the paper. So I'll include some links to that because I think it will be helpful. But, you know, once more, just thinking about and considering all these elements, I think is huge. And so 
you know, in terms of how to deal with all of this and, and decide all of this for yourself moving forward in any type of writing that you do, you know, my advice is to, you know, definitely look at other samples, uh, other genres or styles that you're writing in and see what they do, see how they do it. You know, one of the things I was talking to a uh, former student of mine the other day, and they were asking, well, what is your advice for writing? Um, and I said, it doesn't matter what type of writing you're doing in terms of how to get better at it in my, from my perspective, because I feel like it's sort of the same idea. And what I mean by that is, um, I tell people the same thing, like whether they're doing creative writing or academic writing, I always say, read more within that, that form or that genre and see what other people do and why it works or how it works or doesn't work. I like to say monkey see monkey, write. Um, and of course, if you see how all these different people are employing all different techniques and all different types of writing, you're then able to vary uh, on how you want to approach different types of writing, depending on, you know, what tone or vibe you're going for as well. And it takes practice. It takes time, like so much of this. I always tell students, I'm like, yeah, there is no easy solution to this. It requires work. It, it does take time. Again, thinking about these foundational principles and, and how they work and why they work can save you time in the long run. And this is why another one of the solutions, if I can call it that, that I advise students to do in their own writing is to do reverse outlining. Um, and I talked about this actually a couple episodes ago. So if you um, haven't heard that one, maybe go back. I think it's just called Why Outlines Suck But They Shouldn't. And I talk about reverse outlining and that. And all reverse outlining is, is I'll briefly summarize here. If a traditional outline is, okay, you plan out all the information and how you're going to order it and structure it and elaborate on it in your paper before you write the paper. A reverse outline is where you just read through the paper that you've written and next to each paragraph, you write a one sentence summary explaining what that paragraph is accomplishing. Like what is it actually doing? And if for each paragraph you don't have, if you don't have an answer, if you can't have a complete one sentence for that paragraph or it's confusing, well, you may need to include more details and analysis, and that's how you can kind of know. Oh, I don't. I haven't said as much here as I need to. Maybe this needs to be more than five sentences. That's a good way to identify that issue. The other more common issue I find at this point when students reverse outline and summarize each paragraph is they find they can't summarize it in one sentence. They need either two or three or more sentences, and that's often a sign that yeah, you've included a lot of great detail, but maybe. Each of those sentences are a sign that you're identifying those mini theses, like I said, those mini, mini theses, right? And now maybe each of those ideas should be their own paragraph. And this is why I tell students too, you don't need to transition to a totally new point to make a new paragraph. It can be a related point to the initial topic sentence point that you were trying to identify. But again, it's a specific further supporting detail or piece of evidence that is distinct enough that it requires its own uh, evidence and analysis, you know, further to really um, elaborate on in full and do the full job of explaining why that's important and why that matters. And this can be a great way to really figure out where to make those breaks, especially within longer paragraphs, if you're not sure when to make those breaks. So that's actually probably my number one advice with paragraphing for students is doing that reverse outline process. It's interesting. It's a little more difficult to do in creative writing in something like fiction because of the reasons, like we said, looking at the examples at the very beginning of this episode, right? You know, in the Martian example, it's like, you can do that. You can say, all right, what is that first opening sentence doing or saying? Um, 
but there's other sentences like that and and groups of them where there's they're one line each so you might have to categorize them by section more than by paragraph so that gets a little more complicated but i think that would be a, a fictional paragraphing episode for another day because there's so many different examples of that but in terms of academic writing it the reverse outlining works pretty well i think so i would say check out the outlining episode again i think it was like two three episodes ago if you haven't heard it yet um but just you know once more having that idea in mind is going to give you a, a much clearer focus in terms of your editing i think moving forward so you know, just to wrap up or summarize, there are many, many ways to do this. But again, think about that as in the terms of that there are many opportunities that you have here. You know, really, the only way that you will not accomplish what you want with paragraphing is if you get mentally lazy with it. And that's where you sort of lose. And again, that's not to say that like, oh, if you're trying and it's not working, that you're being lazy. I always tell students, and I really do genuinely believe this philosophy that uh, I, I've said this before, but it, it bears repeating for this reason that the only reason why I might be better at you than writing is because I've been failing at it much longer than you have. And that's a hundred percent true. I have been, I have done some terrible writing in my life, horrific writing. Um, probably the best open mic I ever did, as a matter of fact, was, uh, it was like, I, for, I forget what the theme was, but it was basically like read old, terrible writing of yours. And I brought in like a page from a short story I wrote in like middle school and uh, I got a standing ovation <laughs> it was, because it was like there were so many bad things about it that it was wonderful in that way. Right now, I can do one of two things based on that. I can say, wow, that was horrifying. I should crumble and accept myself as a failure of writing. Or I can say, yeah, that is funny how bad I was. Why is it bad? What can I do to improve upon that moving forward, which obviously I have tried to do because that was a much earlier middle school piece. But again, I've written, I still write terrible stuff. And I, a lot of times drafts I write are, are, are terrible. Even the stuff that winds up being good and publishable and I publish, it doesn't start out that way. It's a messy process. It's a long process. It's a complicated process, but it's a process that if you're constantly refining, you'll get there. You know, you'll, you'll improve upon it. It's difficult. Um, to sort of, you know, see that when you're in deep and you're only making small improvements that are almost not noticeable as you're making them. But rest assured, they do add up over time. They are adding up over time. I see it time and time again every semester with students. You know, they think by the end of the semester, they'll tell me. They'll say, yeah, th this was really tough. I feel like I didn't learn anything. And I say, look at, you know, your early journal entries compared to now. Like read the first one and then read the last one. And they're usually blown away by how much they realize they've actually, you know, learned over the course of even just one semester. So rest assured you are getting there. You will get there. Um, and you just want to, you know, you, you constantly have to refine the process. So that's really all I wanted to say about paragraphing today. Um, you know, if you have questions or comments or ideas of your own, I would absolutely love to hear those. So you can comment uh, on our main site if you're listening here professorlabs.podbean.com um, this will probably go up as a youtube video as well so if you're listening there yeah comment uh, again i would love to hear what you guys think or you can tweet at us as well directly on twitter uh, our handle is at joe t labs and uh, yeah share us your thoughts your questions ideas for other topics especially if anything here makes you think about ideas for other topics uh, would love to know so 
Uh, just want to thank you all again. I know as I'm recording this, we are deep in the coronavirus uh, stay-at-home pandemic weird situation. So uh, really do appreciate you guys listening. Um, and, you know, I know it's it's very difficult now with all the online learning and all the distractions that come with having to learn and work from home. So, you know, I appreciate all the work that everybody's doing out there. And, you know, I just uh, encourage everybody to, um, you know, hang in there, be patient, um, take it one day at a time, one paper at a time, one page at a time, one, et cetera, one paragraph at a time, right? Um, wow, that was, that was cheesy, one paragraph at a time. I think I'll end there. I think I've said enough. Yes, so take it one paragraph at a time. Uh, stay healthy, everybody. Stay safe mentally and physically. And until next time, keep paragraphing. And as I always say, keep learning.